particular uh, strategic initiative. When we launched this last January in Orlando, Florida, the response was tremendous. And I said to the leaders there, I said, for many, many years, we have focused on the underground church, which is important. And I said, but we need a big upper ground church in the highest places in the world. Amen? Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word today? Psalm 128, verse number one, it says this, how blessed is everyone. How many of us want to be blessed? Listen to what he says. Some of you do. How many of us want to be blessed? Listen to what he says. He says, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy. How many of us want to be happy? He says, and you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants all around the table. Behold, for thus shall the person be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. And may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. And may God add his blessings upon his word today. You may be seated. Following our time together in the foyer on the right there is uh, uh, the paperback edition of the Great Commission Study Bible. I brought uh, 28 copies, and it's there on the table on the right. I recommend you get yourself a copy of it to help you define your role in God's goal. And we really enjoyed doing the Great Commission Study Bible, and it's one for $20 or two for 30 I encourage you to get a copy for yourself and give someone to somebody else, and all the proceeds go to help build the network around the world. How blessed, he says, is the person who fears the Lord. And when he used the word blessed, ladies and gentlemen, he used it in the plural form. He really said it this way. Blessed, blessed is the person. God wants us to have double blessing. Not double trouble. God wants us to experience his blessings each and every day of our life. The greatest testimony that you and I can have is that when we walk into the room, the room is a little brighter. And when we leave that room, the room is a little darker. You ever seen somebody coming and you pray, Jesus, come right now, because I don't want to see this person? <laughs> you got in the middle of a conversation with the person and you thought the tribulation has now begun. <laughs> the psalmist says, blessed, blessed is the person who fears the Lord. And for just a little while this morning, I want to teach on the significant life. The significant life. It may only be a minute, but eternity is in it. It's how we use the days that God gives to us each and every day. And I encourage each of us to write down the elements of the significant life. You say, well, I don't have a piece of paper. Then write on the shirt or blouse in front of you. But I want to encourage you to write it down. But seriously, when you get home... Put them on a four-by-six card and then 
put that 4x6 card on your refrigerator door because we go there a lot. And may it remind us that we are to live a significant life. And the psalmist tells us in this beautiful psalm how each and every one of us can live such a life. First of all, it is the character that we live. He said, blessed, blessed is a person who fears the Lord. And notice what he says, and walks in his ways. A lot of people know the what's of God, but they don't know the ways of God. The Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God. He knew why God did what he did. He didn't just know the what's of God. He knew the whys and the ways of God. In other words, he knew the very character and essence of who God really is. He said, blessed, blessed is a person who fears the Lord. Now, that's not a holy dread. It's a reverential fear of the Lord. Fear brings a man or woman to the reality that God knows a lot more than they do and that they humbly serve the Lord. The love of God is fear on its knees. The one who loves the Lord the most fears the Lord the most. It is an interesting tension that is developed in the man or woman's life because the one who really knows the Lord knows how holy he is and how loving he is, but how holy he really is also. And because of that reverential fear, he or she walks in the ways of the Lord. There's a difference between having a character and being a character. Someone said many years ago that moral earthquakes are the result of secret faults in one's life or character. When I get up this morning, I squeeze the toothpaste and toothpaste came out. When life squeezes you, what comes out is who you really are. It is the character that we live. Many, many years ago, Dr. Billy Graham, who's now gone to be with the Lord, used to tell the story about a man who went off to the Vietnam War, and he was a deacon in a church in South Carolina, and he served in the Vietnam War, and he would lose his life there. He would never return home. And before he, uh, was, his life was taken, his captors allowed him to write one final letter and send it back to his family. And, and this particular gentleman who had been a deacon in a particular uh, Southern Baptist church in the Carolinas was writing his letter to his son. And he was trying to think of everything he could possibly write in the remaining time of his life. Then after he wrote all of this stuff down, he said, no, I, I got to get it boiled down to the very essence of what really matters. And he started all over. And this is what he said. Dear son, the word in life is integrity. Never forget it. Love, dad. The word in life is integrity. Never forget it. Love, Dad. It is the character that we live. We are to walk in the ways of the Lord. Many, many years ago, I was speaking in northern Arkansas, and I, I traveled a lot even through my seminary years. And uh, 
when I was at the uh, Simmons God grad school and, and then in my doctoral work, I traveled and preached and taught my way all the way uh, through those times. And I, I, I go by bookstores. I, I was with my two oldest daughters, two, two daughters uh, on Friday. We went by one particular bookstore down close to where I live, we just roaming around and they wanted to pick up a couple of devotionals and, and we did. And, and, and it's been just a pattern for me for many, many years. And so over 20 years ago, I walked into a, a, a bookstore in northern Arkansas, and I had heard about a particular book, and I wanted to get it. And I, so I went over, and I bought it, and I went over into the, back to the Holiday Inn where I was staying in the town there. And, and on that particular day, I read the entire book through it, some 300-something pages, read the whole book through. And it so captured my imagination and in the, toward the beginning of the book is a story that the author is telling about a, a professor. And uh, the professor is gathering the students around, and he wants to teach them about the priorities of life and how to have significant impact in the time that you have on this earth. And so he gathers all the students around, and in the middle of this table is, uh, is different sized rocks. Small rocks, big rocks, and in the middle of all those rocks is a big uh, open mouth glass jar, very tall and quite wide. And so he said to the students, he said, I want you to take the rocks, as many of the rocks as you possibly can, and I want you to get them into this big open mouth jar. And so the students begin to take these big rocks, and they begin to put them all in, and they get them all the way to the top. And then the professor said, he said, is the jar now full. And the student said, yes, this jar is full. About this time, the professor takes out a box that contains uh, pebbles, and he takes these pebbles, and he pours them in across the top of those big rocks, and those pebbles make their way all the way down to the bottom and all the way back to the top. And the professor said, is the jar now full? And the student said, yes. About that time, he takes out a box that contains small granular sand, and he takes the sand, and he pours it out across the top of the pebbles and the big rocks, and they make their all the way down to the bottom and all the way back to the top. And then the professor said, is the jar now full? One student spoke up and said, only you know, sir. Only you know. About this time, he takes out a big jug that fill, and it's filled with water. And he takes the water and he pours it all across the top. And that water makes its way all the way between the sand, the pebbles, and the big rocks. All the way to the bottom and comes all the way back to the top until it's just brimming. And then the professor said, the jar is now full. And then he said to the students, what lesson have we learned? One student said, you must put the big rocks in first or they will never get in. Every one of us in this room know what the big rocks are. The first big rock is our relationship to Jesus Christ. If you don't put that in first, it's hard to get it in later in the day. Not going to get a lot of shouting right now, but you know I speak at the truth. All of us know that health is an important big rock. I must believe that health and well-being is a pretty big rock. Do you take care of that? What about money and finance? Money and finance, pretty big deal. Do you tithe? Do you sow? Do you save? Or do you spend, 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 spend? 
We all know that the local church is a big rock. It's not a place to be neglected. It's a place to be respected. But do we neglect it? Our family, we all know that our family is a big rock. Children spell love differently. They spell it T-I-M-E. Do we work our family in later or do we talk about it right up front? It's so important because every one of us is busy. But there's a difference between busyness and business. There's a difference between activity and accomplishment. There are a lot of people just scurrying here and there and everywhere, but they have nothing to show for it. I only have two books on my phone. One book is the Bible, the New American Standard. It's my favorite. I'm not saying that's the best. It's just my favorite. I have it on my phone. The other, phone, the other book I have on there is, is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where that story came from that I read or shared with you today. That has helped me to paradigm my schedule for over 20 years. It is the character that we live. Secondly, the contentment that we learn. He said, blessed is the person who will go out to work, and happy is he, and well is he. Whether he works from the neck up or the neck down, he goes to work, she goes to work, and they come back, and they are happy you know some people are absolutely miserable and they have a and they manufacture their misery and they share it with everybody they possibly can they just love to talk about how bad and bleak everything is because that's what's inside of them contentment ladies and gentlemen is something we're lacking in our culture We, we, are, we are such a greedy people. We really are. Now, folks, God has blessed us in North America. And somebody said amen. He has. He has blessed us. But sometimes we think that, we're, that God's obligated to bless us. There is power in contentment. Some time ago, I was... I was in the lobby of a church, and it was in a little, little town called Wahiwa. This was, goes back about 25 years ago. Wahiwa is a little tiny town on the island of Oahu. My wife and I had flown into Oahu. We were speaking for five days at a church, and then we were flying to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, to be with Prince Gunaradnam in his missions convention. And so we were ministering there, and a lady walks up to me on Sunday morning, and this was in December, and she says, I'm so happy to be alive today. I'm saying, I'm happy to be alive also. She said, I bet you I'm more happy than you are. And I thought, I didn't, wasn't sure how long this was going to go because I'm pretty happy every day when I get up. How about you? I'm pretty happy. I mean, I'm like a, I'm like a kid when I see the sun coming up. I really am. I, I, first thing when I got up this morning is open up the curtains and see the sunshine. I thought, wow, this is a, a beautiful Florida day in New York. What a beautiful day the Lord's given to us. And so she said, I just got back from Frankfurt, Germany. She said, I said, oh, you were us. She said, yes, I, I was in line to fly home and with my five-year-old son. And, 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 and I got, uh, my name was called. And they asked me to come to the counter. And she said, I got bumped out of line. She said, I was so aggravated. 
I'm thinking, when am I going to get home for Christmas? I'm so aggravated. I'm so frustrated that I got bumped out of line. I can't believe it. And then she said, Pan Am Flight 103 took off. And, and as it was going across Lockerbie, Scotland, it blew up. And everybody on that plane died. She said, James, I'm really happy to be alive today. Sometimes God bumps us out of line because he's taking care of us, but we complain while he's taking care of us. Somebody said, amen. <laughs> maybe we're in a, maybe we're backed up in traffic because God knows that we don't need that down the road. Contentment is a powerful thing. Listen to what the great apostle Paul said, and we all know it in Philippians 4. He says, I can do all things through Christ. What does he say? Who? strengthens me but do you know what he says right before that he says i know what it is to be abased and i know what it is to be prosperous i know what it is to be free i know what it is to be in prison but through all things christ strengthens me he wasn't talking about the other stuff he was talking about the fact that regardless of where he found himself whether it was prosperous or not free or in prison that christ gives him the strength of the power of contentment every day in his life wow we need contentment once again sometime uh Go, a businessman was getting ready to leave after breakfast, and his wife said, Don't forget, honey, we're moving today. He said, I know we're moving today. She said, But I know you. You're going to come back here to the old house, walk in here, and find out we're not here. He said, I'll see you for dinner. So he left and had a lot of work to do, and he came back home and he pulled into the old driveway. He got up, walked through, across the old sidewalk, walked through the old door. Walked inside, all the furniture was gone. And he said, you know what, my wife was right. I forgot that we were moving today. Then he said to himself, worse than that, I don't know where we moved to. <laughs> and he walked back outside and he saw a young boy riding a bicycle out front. And he said, hey, young fella, stop. Yes, sir. Do you know the people who used to live here? He said, yes, sir. Do you know where... They moved to, he said, Dad, Mom told me you wouldn't remember where we would move. <laughs> that guy was out of balance. That guy was missing the real target. Contentment is a powerful force. It allows a man or woman not to be so frustrated or aggravated when the plane is leaving late. Because they believe that God overall overrules the matters of man. Contentment. Not only the contentment that we learn, but third, the companion that we love. The companion that we love. And he says, and your wife, your spouse will be like a fruitful vine. The companion that we love. My wife and I, Sherry, Renee and I, we've been married 32 years. This past May 31. I remember when I first met Sherry. Um, August 29th. 1982 B.C. <laughs> you know what B.C. stands for. I tell you every year when I come. It stands for before computer. Before cell phone. We're B.C. people. She was working in the library. Helping us to get registered at the school. At Central Bible College. And the first time I would meet her, I would ask her out. I did. 
I said, when are we going to go out? She said, I didn't know we were. That's what she said. I said, please give me your telephone number. She did. And I wrote it down, 833-1319. And I wrote it down on my hand. I went back to the dormitory. And, you know, you got to sow if you're going to have harvest. Next day I called. And then we went out on September 2nd. And then one wonderful day we got married. And we have two amazing children. But let me tell you something. The greatest joy of my life, when, when, I, when I leave here after a while and after Pastor Randy have had a meal and I, we fellowship, I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to make my way to the airport. I'm going to call my lovely wife, Sherry, and we'll find out how she's doing because they're in service right now. While we are in this church service right now, my wife and my two daughters are in church about a mile and a half from where we live. I told Pastor Randy, when the doors are open, our, church, our family is there, whether it be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special services, whatever it is. We are there. We believe in the priority of serving Jesus Christ, not just when it's our time, but every day of our life. Somebody said amen. It's true. It's the way we live our life. It's not, it's not where we, you know, take a vote every weekend. Should we go or not go? You know, some families take a vote. Should we go to church today or not? But the greatest joy is when I will call my wife this afternoon and find out how she's doing, how the service went. The greatest joy is spending life with my lovely wife, Sherry Renee. Now, my wife has uh, a very rare form of muscular dystrophy. It's called myotonic muscular dystrophy. And, and early today, Dr. Durst, who's here, came and asked, how about my wife? It meant so much to me that he would ask, how's Sherry doing? My wife cannot open a bottle with her fingers today. She, she can't button a blouse because her hands have gotten so weak. A few weeks ago, she was over the ice rink with my oldest daughter and and she slipped and she fell, not on ice, but on some steps because she's losing balance. So we have a small family. So as a family, we just pull together. So my girls and I, we do stuff. We clean up stuff. We wash stuff. We do this. We do that. It's not because of it's a burden. It's a privilege. We're, we're in this together. It's, it's the companion that we love. And you know, and the Lord tarries long enough there is going to be death in that family. And so it's so important that every day it matters. Every day we find that time to really focus on the people that we say that we really love the most. The companion that we love. You know, what I've learned, and I continue to remind myself of this, whatever we don't manage well will ultimately manage us. If you don't manage your health, your health will manage you. You don't manage your money, your money will manage you. You don't manage your family, your family will manage you. Whatever you don't take care of, one day you will take care of, but it won't be in the, in the power of strength, but in the power of weakness. It is the companion that we love. Number four, it is the children that we lead. He says, and your children will be like olive plants all around your table, like evergreens. Now, you know, many of you know, we have two lovely daughters, and they're 12 and 17, Olivia and Priscilla. And Olivia was born 010101. That's the truth. That's her birthday. So she's got to be the one. She laughs every time she writes that birthday down. Our other one is March 19th, 2006. I have two amazing daughters, and both of our girls are from mainland China. And I would thank, I thank the Lord that we have the privilege of raising two amazing girls and we lost two children in the 1990s a boy and a girl 
Then we adopted these two amazing daughters in, in the turn of the millennium. It's one thing to feed your children. It's another thing to lead your children. We are to lead our children by example. I remember when we lived in Montgomery, Alabama, and I was just 13, 14 years old at the time. I'd already come to know Christ, and my brother and I have an identical twin brother. And, and you know that. I've told you that before. That's true. And both our names is James. Don't ask me why our parents did that, but it's true. Both our parents named us James when we were born. Uh, and we're both in ministry. You know, that's pretty exciting. It can, can become quite a confusing, actually. Um, and, and so, um, and he lives just south of me in Florida. But one day we were out playing ball in the backyard of our home. And, um, and it was Sunday afternoon, playing with Dad and having a blast. Just, and my dad happened to look at his watch, and it was about 5.15. And Sunday night service was started at 6.30. And he says, boys, oh, I didn't notice. It's 5.15. we got to hurry and get in and get dressed and, and, and get over to church. And I remember speaking up, and I'm saying, but, Dad, my brother and I, we don't want to go to church tonight. My dad looked at me and said, son, this is not a democracy right now. We're not taking a vote on this. We're, we're going to get cleaned up, and we're going to go. And he got us in the car, and we went. Dad led by example. It, we, he, he led by, it, it, it's one thing to us, for us to feed our children. It's another thing for us to lead our children. Do we ever lead our children in prayer? Do we ever lead our children in devotions? Do we show our children how to handle frustration? Do we show our children how to handle things when things are not going well? It's so important for us to lead our children. You know, you can con a con, you can fool a fool, but you'll never kid a kid. Because children can, can see right through it. I remember one time my, my mom and dad were having some uh, key uh, business people over to the home. And have you ever noticed that children will just say what's on their mind? I mean, just, just throw it right out there. And so we had gone shopping earlier that day to, for some meals and things. And, and, and we bought some desserts. And, and so... Uh, these uh, executives, we finished the meal, and my brother and I were sitting at the table with my mother and father and, and other business executives, and, and we were finishing up, and my mother says, hey, we, we have dessert, and so she comes, and, and she lays out a couple pies right there on the, on the table, and I looked right at her, and I said, Mom, are these the pies that we bought at the grocery store earlier today? She turned 10 shades of red when I said that. I never get her face, but I was just speaking what was on my mind. Children see right through it. They are not moved by plastic Christianity. It is so important that we be the real deal 24 hours a day. And when we fail and we miss the mark, we ought to be very quick to say, I am sorry. I, didn't, I did not live up to the expectation. I didn't do a good job here. I am sorry. And show them how to ask for forgiveness as well. It is the children that we lead. But fifth and last, it is the contribution that we leave. The contribution that we leave. The psalmist says, not only will you be blessed, not only will your family be blessed, he said, but I want to bless you in your children and in your grandchildren. And he says, I want your legacy to have legs. I want to bless you beyond your lifetime." I want to bless it, you in such a way that it goes to the next generation. I was on a conference call about a week ago with a distinguished leader and another leader. 
and we were talking about something in particular, and this one lady made a comment, I'll never forget it. She said, it's time for us to start believing God for generational wins. For generational wins. Not only for us to win and our children to win, but our grandchildren to win. And then he says, and may the prosperity of God be upon the beautiful city of Jerusalem. In other words, may the prosperity of the Lord be around everywhere where you live your life. One day we're graduating from this earth for eternity. We need to leave this place in a better way than when we found it. It is the contribution that we leave. It's in the small deposits, in the big deposits. About three weeks ago, a leader wrote me. He was getting ready to bring a a presentation to his denomination. He was writing me about missions. And he was writing me about the lostness of man. And he was asking for some particular statistics. And so I sent him an email back. And he's going to be sharing his presentation in a couple of weeks. And this is what I said. I said about 60,000 people a day die in this world who have never heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ one time. About 60,000 a day die. Then I said in my next paragraph, that's an equivalent of 132 jet airliners sitting, having a capacity of 500 people in each airplane crashing every day. Then I said in my next paragraph, could you imagine what this world would be like if we read in the news 132 planes crashed today with 500 people in each of them? Can you imagine what the response of this world would be? I said we would shut down the air traffic controls around the world. We would bring in all the aircraft and figure out what in the world is going wrong. But every day, 60,000 people die in this world, not hearing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of Christians are unmoved and they don't care. What I'm telling you, my friend, is this. The contribution that we leave is not made up of the stuff that we hold in our hands. This world is passing away. The contribution that we leave is when men and women come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when people are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, when young men and women are called into full-time Christian service to the four corners of this earth. That is the contribution that really matters to God the most. The contribution that we leave. And with this, I'm finished. Two and a half years ago, I was, in, and I was in Germany. I was on the border of Poland. When the doctor said to me on the phone, I'm sorry, your dad has just died on the table. And he was only in the hospital for, for 90 minutes. And then he was gone. He had a blood clot in his lung. And my dad was an amazing dad. And I hope I can be the half the dad that my dad was. And just a few hours prior to his death, I got a text message from my dad. Now notice, text message, 85-year-old guy. That tells you a little something about my dad, right? And so I get a text message from my dad because I'd just gone to Wittenberg, Germany, and I'd just gotten back to the hotel. And so this is what he said. He said, how are things going in Wittenberg? My response, things are going great. They're rolling out the red carpet. We have great momentum. He wrote back and he said, wonderful news. 
I wrote back and I said, it's been a long, hard journey. Dad wrote back. A journey that very few ever endure. Some of the hardships you should have never had to go through. But listen to the final words of my dad. He said, but it's always fulfilling to know that what you've worked so hard at will produce great success. That's the final words of my dad. And I'm here to tell you today, sir, ma'am, some of the stuff that matters don't really matter. At the end of the day, it's going to matter what really mattered to God. He says, blessed, blessed is the person who fears the Lord. And notice, and walks in his ways. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering today? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and musicians come, I count it a privilege to preach and teach where Pastor Randy preaches and teaches so faithfully week after week after week. And as their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed in this service, I ask the Lord to let me to deliver a message that would not leave anything on the table today. Because life is short and it's longest. And sir, ma'am, I, I don't know, I don't know where you are on the journey. But I began today saying that 45 years ago today, I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm so glad I did. I don't know where I'd be without Jesus. He's been so good and great to me. And there's some in this building, you need, you're not walking closely to the Lord. And this is not a spirit uh, or a message of condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to set us free. But what measuring stick are you using today? Are you measuring your life compared to other people? If that is the measuring stick, you have chosen a wrong stick to measure your life. Jesus Christ measures our life. And there's some here today, you are, you are not walking closely to Jesus. And before you leave here today, you need to settle it right now. Lord Jesus, you're going to be the Lord of my life. You're going to be the Lord of my life in the daytime. You're going to be the Lord of my life in the nighttime. You're going to be the Lord of my life. Every aspect of my life, I want it to please you, Lord. I will not embarrass you today, but I do want to pray for you. You heard today and say, James, that's me. <laughs> James, Jesus Christ is not the center of my life. He, he's, not the, he's not the leader of my soul. I, I acknowledge him, I, I, but I, he, he's just not, he's not the big rock I put in every morning. And James, I want to change that. I, I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to make a definite decision that makes a difference in my life beginning today. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, in a moment I'm going to count the three. And if, you, if that's you, no matter where you are, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand and slip it right back down in this service today. And I want to pray for you before we go any further today in this service. If that's you, one, two, three, just lift your hand and slip it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your honesty, transparency. Jesus loves you. He loves all of us in this sacred gathering today. 
thank you for your transparency and honesty today. Dear Holy Father, you see the hands that have just been lifted in this sacred gathering. I pray, God, for every man and woman in this building today. I pray, God, that you'll give them the wherewithal from within. Not only to verbally make this decision, but, Lord, practically to make this decision. I pray, Lord, that they will practice it every day. They will begin, Lord, with the big rocks in first every day. Lord, I pray that you will do this great work in his life and her life, Lord, this very moment in time. Lord, I, I pray, God, that they will completely, totally sell out to you, leave nothing on the table, give their very best to you every day. And, Lord, may that impact be felt deeply in every family and marriage represented in this sacred gathering today. And, Lord, we'll be careful to give you that praise and glory today. As their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed in this service. I highlighted this <clears throat> three times today, and here's the fourth time. Blessed is the person who fears the Lord and walks in His ways. The Lord is looking for people today who are willing to say, Lord, I want to walk in Your ways. I want to walk in the way of character, of contentment, of love for my spouse, for my children. And Lord, I, I want to make a contribution that's something beyond my lifetime that just keeps on giving long after I'm gone. That's what God has for you. That's what he has for me. But we have to be intentional in doing that today. We have to be intentional in doing that today. I'm going to invite the altar workers to come, if you would. Uh, those who have been, uh, usually help along the front here, would you come? No matter if you be in the front or back, just come. You know what to do. You're trained to do that. Just come and find a place to stand right along here in the front today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for coming. You just come right up here, if you would. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Master. You're so good to us. You're so good to us. Thank you, Lord God. You're today, you can say, James, with integrity and with honesty, with transparency, I want to walk in the ways of the Lord. I want to know His ways. I don't want to just know His what's. I want to know His ways. I want to know Him so well that I know the mind of God. I know why He does what He does because I'm walking that closely to Him. If you can say that with integrity, my prayer has been that every hand would go up today and say, Lord, I really want to walk in your ways like I've never walked before so that the blessing, the double blessing of the Lord would rest upon my life. If you can say that, if that's you, can I see your hand, please, in this sacred gathering? Hands being lifted all across here. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want in my family. In a minute, Luke's going to lead us <clears throat> in a song that God's laid upon their heart. And I'm going to invite you to come. If you'd like to come and have someone to pray with you right here, I'm going to invite you to come. And if you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be right here. It'd be my honor to do so. But this is an opportunity right in the middle of the summer to say, Lord, double bless my life and help me to walk in your ways every day. Brother Luke, would you lead us? Would you come?